Okay, guys, welcome to episode two of Teacher's Philosophy. I forgot to introduce myself the first time around, so my name is Grace Hope. I am your host of Teacher's Philosophy, and this week, I am super excited to have Glenn Reyes. I met Glenn a couple of years ago through a mutual friend in our board. Glenn is a passionate and well-being educator and founder H4 Community, a student-led nonprofit organization dedicated to encourage curiosity, inspiring creativity, and increasing confidence. Over the past several years, he has presented in front of thousands of students across Ontario about the importance of lifelong education and the development of necessary 21st century skills outside of the classroom, which I totally appreciate. So Glenn, welcome to Teacher's Philosophy. Hey, Grace. Thanks for having me. You have an awesome podcast voice, by the way. <laughs> do you it's do you do? No, it's not your teacher voice. It's personality. I was like, oh, I want you introducing me all the time. I'm like, that's oh, great. Thank you. Well, maybe that if my uh, teaching career doesn't pan out 11 years into it, I can go into something completely different. <laughs> no, that ain't happening. Your pension's <laughs> I, too good. <laughs> I know. I, know. That's what, I like my job, though. So. And I get to meet cool you. people like you, right? Exactly. I mean, that's why I do what I do. I get to uh-huh. meet awesome educators like yourself and looking forward to like just kind of figuring out this crazy world of education together. So, especially now with this new norm, quote unquote, you guys, I can't, nobody can see my air quotes. I always do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You we know. did air quotes, both of us, the new yeah. norm. <laughs> normal. Exactly. This is probably, I'm a little worried about like what it's going to look like when we go back to camps and we go back to whatever that air quote normal is. Mm-hmm. Curious to know if we'll be able to adapt and change and think about the kids a little bit more. Right? I know. I know. And, and you and I are both very huggy people. We like hugging people and it's, it's been so hard to see my colleagues who I work with whom I'm very close with not able to hug them. I just, it just drives me crazy. It just like, I am a Spaniard, touchy-feely, like, by fault, because our family is very touchy-feely kind of community. You know, we are. Spaniards are very much like that. We're very passionate, touchy-feely people, right? And so it's so hard not to do that and hug people and just, uh, I so, know. I wonder I know. if there's going to be a new greeting, like a bum bump or something like that. A bum bump. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and just the hip. You know, I don't know what we're going to do. Well, it's funny because last year before all this happened, I did my greeting. So my students came in, they got to choose between like a high five, a hip bump. It's more of a physical, like kind of like interaction, right? And my students loved it. So every morning they got to choose their own kind of cool interaction. Now I'm doing this social distancing one. Even that word is hard for me to say sometimes. And it is so funny because the dynamic is very like robotic and you're like, oh my gosh, there's no air high five from five feet away yes and like in my uh, students when like especially the little munchkins that fall down during recess and before to pick them up and kind of like give them like a little pat in the back and hug. now you can't it's like they're there it's like with a meter stick <laughs> or at like some jedi knight you just kind of tell them to get up by pointing at them and just kind of move them that way seriously <laughs> so oh uh, well we'll try to fix it together That's why I thank you for doing podcasts like this. You know, this inspires me because seeing teachers do extra at this time, like how do you have the time and the energy to do something like this on a Saturday? Uh, I know. (laughs) Because 
I'd have no life. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's, I think this is what gives us energy, right? Like, exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. that's what the stuff I like to talk about. That's awesome. So, okay, first off, what is H4 community? Can you explain more? I know I gave it in the bio, but I'd rather come in from you, the person who helped bring this child. Mm-hmm. I call it the baby from within and just yeah. created this. Yeah, well, H4 community, as you mentioned in the bio, is a student-led nonprofit organization. And in a nutshell, the best way I like to describe it is we're trying to just build community both on and offline. And we focus on the three C's, which is curiosity, creativity, and confidence. I'm really just trying to create a community of goal-getters and go-givers and teach students the things that I wish I knew when I was their age and all that stuff that we don't actually have time to teach in the curriculum. I'm a passionate educator. I think I've always wanted to be a teacher in a sense where I've always wanted to teach kids, but I didn't want to teach in the school system. And mm-hmm. mainly because I just didn't really like the way it was. And uh, I just started thinking about, well, how can I make an impact in education without actually having to be in the classroom every single day? So this was like my happy medium. So mm-hmm. I work at a nonprofit organization. I actually work for Ryerson. <laughs> Sorry, the nonprofit organization is owned by Ryerson. But what I do for, so my nine to five is working in Ryerson, then five to nine is working on H4 community and just really working with the kids to inspire them to do what they love and share it with others. That is amazing. And it's funny you said it because, and I love that about this organization because you are educating it, but you're not in the quote unquote, again, I'm going to use a quote, education institute, right? Because when you think of education, everybody thinks like a large institution, right? Yeah. And I personally believe that some of the best education comes outside of the institutions, right? Just outside. It's everyday life. It's people who we meet. It's the people who inspire us. And it's not maybe teachers who inspire us. It's the other people that we may look up to or we have some type of connection or bond with who inspire us to, like you said, like, and that's what I love about this organization, just because you're being creative and it's creativity that brings passion and the passion brings in organizations such as this. And again, this didn't come from really in school. This came from because of your passion for education and you took it and you created this amazing community. Yeah, with the kids. I mean, with I just want to highlight these kids are absolutely amazing. And I'm just going to give them, give you a shout out because the very first core group of students came from Garetti. <laughs> <laughs> so just to let you know, it was your graduates. Um, yep. And it was a group of just a couple of them, right? Mm-hmm. Kayla, they were just passionate about working on Instagram. That was the mm-hmm. idea. And the whole idea wasn't to create just an Instagram account. It was to actually promote a former program that I was super passionate about. The first program was actually called the Cypher Program, which was a leadership through dance initiative. Because I truly believed that I could teach a lot of these life skills, all the things that you actually need for careers and, and your future success. I really wanted to focus on that whole confidence and creativity piece. And I thought I could do that through teaching hip hop, right? So, and the one thing that, and that was my passion growing up when I was their age. And I re- realized I learned a lot of these life skills through things I did outside the classroom. And then I was like, wow, that's, that's learning too. That's education too, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so that's what I want to focus on. So creating this 
Cypher program, this Leadership Through Dance initiative. I took the dance curriculum for elementary school, took the dance curriculum for high school, remixed that so everybody in the program actually danced, got a grade, and came together and, and learned all these life skills. So, and, and, and as a teacher, I just want to say thank you for doing that because that took away the pressure for me from teaching my students how to dance. Because yeah, yeah, well, that was the need, right? Uh, yeah. That's where it actually came from. Teachers were like, I was in the, I was working at another nonprofit at the time, and teachers were like, "Hey, can you come in and teach my dance class?" And mm-hmm. I was like, "No, I can't just leave the office to teach dance." Um, so, I had to find a way to do it, and I was like, "Okay, well, maybe if I can teach kids and they can go and teach the stuff that I that I teach them." And then I was like, "Wait a minute." There's something here. Um, so mm-hmm. obviously, I really wanted to grow that in 2020. I did grow the program to more schools. So it was initially one high school and about seven elementary schools. And then they all came together, about 300 students, all these grade eight and seven classes, showing off their dance project in the high school in, in Scarborough. Mm-hmm. Then, obviously, in 2020, we all know what happened. <laughs> when, when, when your big sell is, let's bring 300 students together <laughs> in the pandemic, you know, it doesn't work. <laughs> so that's where I was like super blessed, where I said, okay, well, now I got to pivot. I got to be creative. And if I didn't have the students, then I really don't know where I'd be, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So uh, the students really helped build this new online presence. It's, it's kind of awesome. Yeah. I got to say, it's funny you say that because a lot of people are surprised that like, what you have to teach dance to your students. <laughs> yes. That is part of the curriculum. So it's funny. Cause I get, it depends where you teach around the world and what part of the world you teach. But in Ontario, we teach everything like, especially yeah. elementary school and yeah, primaries. Yeah. Like we teach everything and even dance. And I like to dance. Don't get me wrong. I love mm-hmm. to dance. But when it comes to coordination, <laughs> that is one part of a Spaniard I did not get. Because uh, oh. <laughs> the Spaniards, a lot of them are like great flamenco dancers, right? When I go to Spain, I see my families and they dance and they've got coordination. Me? No. And so I just want to say thank you for creating. When I first came across and you taught my class and they had so much fun. Oh. So much fun when they did it. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I just try to make it more about just them moving and listening to the music and not worrying too much about the exact moves. Because mm-hmm. um, that's what an actual dance school is for, right? If yeah. you want like dance training, you go to a, a studio. I'm not trying to replace a dance studio, yeah. right? But I really want to focus on the creativity and confidence piece. And I mean, it's amazing. I learned a lot teaching in the schools, teaching dance. I didn't realize I actually really love working with the young ones because mm-hmm. my leadership program was for grade sixes and up. Right. Mm-hmm. But if it wasn't for Lenzo, <laughs> she came and she just was like, no, teach my kids. And I was like, I actually fought with her saying, I don't have time to deal with this. I don't really want to work with young ones. But then when I started teaching the little ones, I actually enjoyed that better because yeah. they're not worried no. about getting down and into the middle of the circle and showing off their skills and their personality. I was like, that's it. And then I compared them to the grade eights I was working with. I was like, wow. There's something here. Like, where did we go from, oh, I don't really care about how I look to, oh my gosh, I'm so conscious of everything I do. Yeah. And I worry that it's a systemic thing. There's a lot of things, of course, society, our bodies are changing, things in that. But another thing is that, you know, we're always trying to correct students about what's the right or wrong thing to do. 
Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's the habits that we're building in, in a big systemic educational system. It's like mm-hmm. you're either right or you're wrong. Whereas the programs that I focus on is there's multiple answers to, yeah. to what you're looking for, what you want to do. So you're going to start thinking like that. Mm-hmm. That's how the world is. <laughs> right. It's not, oh, when you get out of school, you're going to find this one career and you're going to do everything towards that. That's it's not what it's like anymore. Right. I think yeah. the average is about seven different careers. If you're not a teacher, I think the average is like seven different careers. And we're not just talking about different jobs. We're talking about switching from here to there. It's kind of scary new world. Uh, mm-hmm. that kid. And I think we need to start promoting that a little bit more in schools, that flexibility, creativity, and focus on building that confidence early. So. Absolutely. I agree. And it's, and it, well, you say, because it is different because it was a lot different when we grew up in terms like we had those like career building skill things and we had all these different options. And I remember when I was in high school, computer sciences was the huge push, right? Like I'm dating myself, like this is like the nineties where I said <laughs> career skills, like you knew computer career skills and blah, blah, yeah. blah. So computer programming was the place. And it is like, because look at these conglomerates of like technology, but mm-hmm. then we looked a couple of years ago where there's a shortage of like skills, like mechanics and carpentry and art. And there was a huge shortage because the schools were pushing other students to go into computers, but be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But we need designers. We need the architects. We need people creating like physical things we actually use, mm-hmm. like tables, like in chairs. And like, and it's great now because now I love seeing personally. And that's why it's great seeing all these like little artisan shops popping up because people weren't fitting and like going to careers and they hated them because they felt like they had to or pressured to go into, I don't know, architect or like accounting or something like that and they they were miserable and they decided to go for their passion and they use that passion to make a career out of it Mm -hmm. which is great to see because now people are so creative like especially kids now like they are so creative yeah 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 you tell me they're coming up with all these amazing things and the things that they do online it's really interesting right so Mm -hmm. and I really wanted to harness that because Mm -hmm. I figured you know what if I've just believed that there's no way the system's going to change enough to accommodate all these new skills and all these new things that we're going to do. Like when I started getting into, so my first part of my career was career education. That's what I was focused on. And it was really funny because back in, I can't remember what year it was. Let's just say 2012. Okay. Let's, just, let's say 2012. There was this whole huge push to revamp the career education system and then coding into the curriculum. Mm-hmm. Okay. And they were talking about it for years. So they spend millions of dollars. They do all these studies. But just correct me if I'm wrong. Is it finally getting into the systems now? Like you have to teach coding now? I'm not really yes. sure. Yes, yes. And it's okay. funny you say that because I've been, teachers are not being educated how to do coding. Yeah, well, the silly part about it is like, okay, now it's 2021, mm-hmm. right? And it's finally just getting into the system. Mm-hmm. But the strange part is, the actual work skills that you're going to need, we don't actually need a nation of coders, right? Mm-hmm. Because now AI is taking mm-hmm. over artificial intelligence and all that stuff and all that math is actually coming out. So one of the stats that I like to show that's coming out of a report called Future Skills from RBC, they ask, what are the most employable skills that you're going to need in the future? 
and I talk about this a lot in my in, in my talks. What do you think are the top two most employable skills every person is going to need in the next five years? Oh my gosh! Um, take a guess. Communication. Communi- oh yeah, you're up there exactly. So exactly. So number one is active listening oh. because every single job doesn't matter if you're a coder mm-hmm. or whatever you're going to need. You're just going to need active listening. And then critical thinking, communication, it's all up there, yeah. right? So it's like, where's coding? It's actually, it's funny. Sorry to all the science teachers out there, but science is near the bottom of that list. <laughs> and, and it's Ouch. not because we don't need scientists, okay? Yeah. But let's not confuse this stat. It's because there are just going to be way more jobs that are going to need active listening, okay? Does that make sense? So mm-hmm. obviously, we're going to need less coders. But because there's less coders, that's such high demand that they can make a lot of money, right? Yeah. Does that make sense? No, so it, it, it does. It does. It's not less important. Okay. Yeah. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's just less employable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in terms of like the general career outlook, right? So for me, I was like, okay, so if active listening and communication and critical thinking and all that is really important, why don't we focus on that? Yeah. So I don't really care what subjects you teach. You can teach dance, you can teach coding, but let's focus on teaching active listening, using those disciplines as the vehicle to teach that, right? So I break it down all the way to the beginning. So I'm so passionate about education. I'm actually passionate about learning specifically. And there's an actual beautiful analogy with the theater. Have you ever heard of the book, the Empty Space by Peter Brook. No. He just talks a little bit about like the irreducible minimum of what theater is. Okay. That's what he calls the empty space. So if you ask Peter Brook, what is theater? He says, well, you don't really need a stage because you could probably do theater outside. You don't need the curtains. You don't need the music. You don't actually need a script. Some theater is actually improv, Mm -hmm. right? He says the irreducible minimum for what makes theater theater is to make sure that you have an actor and a space and an audience. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was beautiful. And then he says, nothing should be added to that unless it adds to that atmosphere or it helps get your point across. And I actually believe the analogy to education is the same. Okay. If you were to take away the school, the curriculum, the subjects, everything, right? The irreducible minimum of learning, which makes it education, Mm -hmm. is an educator, a learner, and then space, right? Like a space to teach that. So, and that's what I thought. I was like, okay, so if that's what learning is, then I was like, well, how do I find a way to get to as many students as possible and teach them the life skills that I think that they need for the future? And then that, and it went from there. I was like, okay, so what are the students doing right now? Oh, they're on Instagram. (laughs) You know, they're on Instagram. So how am I going to inspire kids to learn? Well, I got to start from their point of view. So Mm. having meetings with them and I was like, okay, let's talk about Instagram. Then they just started building this Instagram account. And it's kind of crazy because they were supposed to just share the content for the Cypher program and all my dance stuff. But then they started creating all these videos and started reaching thousands of kids online. I was like, wow. If I work with the kids, they can push my reach exponentially. So I started saying, okay, what do you guys want to do? 
And that's like the ethos of everything I do. I really ask the kids for their advice on how and what they want to learn. And then we build projects surrounding that. So I actually have an executive team who we meet every week and they've helped develop the programs that we're running now. So everything is student-led, student-run. And I truly believe every single community that needs, that wants to be innovative, you mm-hmm. really need to ask everybody in that community. So if I really want to help students, I think we need to actually ask students to design the classroom. Right? Okay, that is honestly, and I was going to ask, and that's perfect to lead up to my question, because as we know, you and I both grew up in an institution where, and as a teacher, like, yes, when I went to teacher's college, we were taught, like, this is, Math, language, science, social studies, whatever maybe This is what it is. This is your manual. This is like your Bible. This is hearsay. This is how you got to teach. Mm. And I believe just like everything else, everything has shifted. Everything has changed. I believe, and by this, your organization here, I believe that you probably think that we, our education needs a huge shift. Mm-hmm. We need to change how we approach education. We got to change what is important. And what are the skills that kids are going to need in order to thrive to be, again, I'm not saying successful, but independent adults where they can use these skills down the road, where they can get a job and take care of themselves, right? Exactly. And I just really believe, like, you know, in that whole quote, uh, it takes a village, right? It takes a village to raise a child. So for me, I was like, okay, well, how can I help education? If I know that I can't come in even if I were the director of education, yeah, I wouldn't be able to, like I could spend my whole career and try to change the curriculum, but why do that? There's people yeah. doing that already. So my theory was like, okay, if I engage the students, then they can inspire each other to learn. And that's where H4 community came in. I actually believe in this, let's take it back a little bit. I actually believe in this triangle of education, okay? I believe that for ideal learning, you need obviously the student, the teacher, and then the parent or guardian, right? Yeah. Because for me, my big influence was, it was just really my parents yelling at me saying, if you don't get good grades, then, <laughs> then you're out of here, right? Yeah. So I was like, oh, that helped me get good grades. That was a big influence. They in my pushed life. you. It, it was a gentle yeah. push. It was, yeah, yeah. But then I had amazing teachers, right? And forget about the curriculum and the schools. Doesn't matter what you teach. If you have an amazing teacher, mm-hmm. that's going to a kid to learn. And it could be anything. So forget the subject. As long as you have an amazing teacher, it's going to happen. Amazing parent, amazing teacher. And then, of course, the student has to be willing to learn. So each work with community started with just inspiring the kids. The other project that we connected on, Grace, is Teachers Be Teachers. And then Mm -hmm. that was teachers inspiring the teachers. Yeah. Right? And then I wanted to do another project was parents and guardians inspiring each other. But that mm-hmm. one was re- really hard not being a parent. And <laughs> it was yeah. like really hard to, to get off the ground. It's still a dream of mine, but I'm hoping maybe I can work with more teachers in the future around these projects. But uh-huh. let's start with this. I'm having a lot of success with the students. So H4 community is doing well. As you know, like Teachers Be Teachers is there with a lot of passionate educators. And I'm really passionate. I mean, I'm really happy that I've met teachers like yourself because that actually gave me hope that education can change. So if we can find all the amazing teachers together and get them to work together on awesome projects, I think education will be just fine. Well, it's funny you talk about, sorry, like you're, cause you were saying about Instagram, how you gave the project to the students. And now because of them, like they basically blew the small little, they blew up 
in a good way, like in terms of like your idea and they attracted more people towards because of yeah. social media, right? And I gotta think people have to step back because people are like, oh, social media is bad. Like it all, to me, it all depends perspective, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the world. If you put bad onto the world, well, guess what? You're gonna attract bad into the world. So just like anything, like any device can be good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like alcohol. Alcohol is, <laughs> especially if you're alcoholic, right? Yeah, 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 it yeah, is yeah. horrible. It but yeah. some people enjoy it because they use it in a social surrounding because it's all about responsibility. Exactly. How we use it respond, you know, responsibly. So during lockdown and during quarantine, I am one of the millions of people who downloaded TikTok. And yeah. I first downloaded it for fun. I was making fun videos. But I cannot tell you, Glenn, the amount of amazing creators and right. teachers around the world who I've connected with because we have this passion for teaching, but not only because are they teachers, these are amazing teachers are shown in basically sharing their resources with other people, like how to do this. And not only that, there's also teachers I met who are empathetic and just who are there for teachers, like saying, are you having a bad day? It's been rough for everybody. You got to be easy on yourself. And just hearing that from teachers, other teachers, because it makes me feel one, I'm not alone, but mm-hmm. two, it makes me feel connected to something that's larger than me and looking around at the different races of people who I've met. And I love because they're not only teachers who I've connected with, these are not educators, but people who educated me, authors, especially indigenous creators have taught me so much. I've connected. And again, they're not quote unquote teachers like I am, but they've mm-hmm. educated me outside of the classroom. It is amazing. And so my husband laughs at me because he's like, why do you spend so much time on TikTok? I'm like, you don't <laughs> understand the amount of people who I've connected with and inspired. Exactly. And, and I don't got- understand how long it takes to make, to do this dance, <laughs> like working on it. <laughs> no, oh, exactly. I, I everybody, exactly. You know, to your point, everybody needs that tribe. Yeah. Right. I mean, no one can do it by themselves, right? Yeah. And that's the whole concept behind any project that I work on. I really like having an executive team because, you know, I tried to do everything by myself at one point. It's me, me, me. I wanted to do this. So I wanted to do that. And I realized, it's like, wow, we really need a team to do all this stuff. So I'm hoping more projects like this. I hope you get a lot of uh, people on your podcast from Teachers Meet Teachers. And mm-hmm. we just connect these communities to help better education, right? That, so. yeah, and that's the reason why I started this podcast, because it was from Teachers Meet Teachers. And I'm going to explain more on a next podcast about what Teachers Meet Teachers is. I haven't yeah, really explained it. Be great. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's so, Exactly. We have a mutual friend named Stephanie Lenzo. She will be on this podcast soon. There you go. And to talk more about Teachers Meet Teachers. And it is great because it's because, like I said, teaching, I love teaching. I do love teaching. But because teaching inspired me, it inspired me to do this podcast because I need to find other outlets outside of the classroom that help to inspire me. Because teaching is a job and a career that Yes, you do get so much instant gratification because you see these students grow, especially like Uh kids like Kayla, who I taught in elementary school now is going to university. And I formed this amazing friendship with her family. Uh So this is a former student of mine. And you'd see that, but some teachers don't. Some teachers burn out fast. Some teachers find they become bitter and jaded 
it's tough because you give so much energy to the students every single day. Um, I think I don't don't quote me on this, but I think teaching has one of the highest burnout rates in careers. And what's crazy is that I was listening to this podcast by Adam Grant. It's mm-hmm. called Work Life. Highly mm-hmm. recommend it. He's an organizational psychologist. And his tagline is literally how to make work not suck. Okay? <laughs> and it's, he's amazing. He consults Google and all that stuff. And he interviewed a teacher who burnt out. And because, you know, you're in the States. But this was a teacher oh, in the yeah. States. And it, you know, it, it, it's crazy, right? So this teacher burns out. But you know what her solution was to burnout? She created a nonprofit to help students on the weekends. <laughs> and we're like, what? So you worked more? And the reason that worked was because she was like, she loves teaching, but she was tired of seeing her kids go down the wrong path. But then what was the reason why she taught? Is because, oh, she really wanted to help students be better. So when she saw those little wins when teaching on the weekend, that fueled her for her week. And it's crazy to think like that, that that's kind of like how humans work, right? Like we, rest is, yes, it's, it's really important. I'm huge on rest. I'm big on energy management as well. Mm-hmm. So if something is burning you out, you have to go to that thing that recharges you. So yeah. for, for an introvert, it might be reading books, things like that, or hanging out with one or two people. But then for like an extrovert, it's like going to a party or talking to a lot of people at the end of the day or doing really social things. Whatever you need to recharge, mm-hmm. do that charging. And sometimes for me personally, it's, it's playing sports. Mm-hmm. Like I actually recharge playing sports and, and then hanging out with a huge group of people, right? And now, right now, it's like I get a lot of feel from the students because seeing them come up with amazing ideas that's actually what I'm passionate about, seeing like new ideas. So when I see the kids come up with these new ideas, it actually inspires me to get on a Zoom at the end of the day when I've been on Zoom from nine to five during, during the day. I'm like so yeah. tired. I can't do Zoom all day. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, if I'm working with a student and I'm doing something I'm passionate about, they give me a lot of energy. So I don't mind being on a Zoom with students. And I know for a fact they appreciate it. And this is one thing I said I love about H4 is that not only you're providing a space for the children, but you're also giving them skills and set skills that they can take and mm-hmm. use it in anything, like in a part-time job, in applying for you know university and applications, just in anything in life. And they can go back to it. And students nowadays are so resilient and people don't realize how I'm seeing these kids. Yes, I was like so bloody naive compared to what these kids are now. Uh-huh. Like, when I was 13 years old, obviously TikTok was not around. Internet was not a thing. Mm-hmm. When I was like 13 years old, like, you know, we had In Living Color. Wow, I'm really dating. <laughs> in Living Color. For in Living Color, watch a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and like, and watch Please. Blossom and all this stuff. Like, that was it. Like, <laughs> playing basketball, right? And like, yeah. going to a friend's. It's so different. And because these pressures of these students, social media, like you said before, like, you know, it's these like demands, like, from home, from school, from friends, these pressures. Like I find these kids have a lot more pressure now, oh, more yeah. than what we had growing up, personally. They see everything, right? Right, yeah. The trends I wanted to change. I mean, if we're going to talk about changing education, let's start to change habits. And when the kids see everything on Instagram, that's one of the reasons I wanted to start with Instagram was like, okay, let's try to change their habits a little bit on Instagram. Instead of just posting a selfie of yourself, why don't you create content that'll inspire people? 
that's and that's true. what I'm trying to say about we can use social media in a positive aspect. Exactly. Right. Then it you can kind of mitigate all the dangers mm-hmm. of addiction on the platform. One of the things I tell students all the time is you do realize that these companies pay psychologists and people to get you addicted to their platforms. Yeah. It's the same chemical in your brain. Pretty sure it's dopamine. Is it dopamine? Because it's a a gratification of dopamine. And that's why the first thing people do is look at their phones right away. Exactly. So that notification releases the same amount of dopamine. I heard it's the same thing as actually taking cocaine. Yep. It's the same exhilaration. It's a a fast satisfaction. So we're giving social media to kids and they're literally taking (laughs) drugs at Mm -hmm. 13 and not realizing it and getting addicted to the scroll. And all the research is showing there's an increased rate in depression. So it's so ironic. It's like the more use of Instagram, the more depressed you are, but I'm working on Instagram. (laughs) But but the reason being is because I'm trying to change those habits, right? And as soon as this pandemic lifts, I'm like, okay, guys, I'm tired of this. Let's let's run an event. Let's connect because I'm tired of this online game. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what we have right now where we make do with what we got. That's what I love about H4. It's like we're lean, we're feisty, you know, we're yeah. creative. Like we <laughs> a way to do it. The best thing I love about my kids is, so just to let you know that I didn't find the funding for the first couple of projects. The kids found them. And that was amazing. That was like the most inspiring thing. And a couple thousand dollars for kids, it's amazing. You know, they find these grants, they got them working, they got all their friends. And now the first program was called, uh, the online program was called the Goal Getter Program. And it really, it was just a program to get students thinking about their personal goals Mm -hmm. and keeping each other accountable to reaching them. So even if it was school, let's say their personal goal was to get 100 in math, great, what we do with the Goal Getter program is identify your priorities and then connect you with a student in your class or in the program to keep each other accountable during the week. And yeah. students found that it was like a lot of fun. We got it assessed. There's a lot of positive comments coming from the students. And the first cohort was 30 students. And the next cohort now is like 42 signed up for the next cohort. And wow. five. Yeah. So that's just one of the multiple programs that I help develop with the kids. Yeah. So that's, it's amazing. Like what what age, sorry. And what ages do you typically work with? So with the goal getter program, that's typically high school students. That's mainly my focus with those programs. Yeah. But when it comes to leadership and dance, that was grade six and up. Mm -hmm. And then I'm hoping crossing my fingers the more leaders that we get, we can do more dance programs for the younger ones. Mm-hmm. But right now, just mainly because these are the students I'm working with, I have no classroom. I'm not at the schools all day, every day. So I'm going with the students that connected with H4 originally. And now that's, you're looking at grade nine to 11 leaders right now. Mm-hmm. But we just recently launched junior ambassadors. Mm-hmm. We're take the grade eights and we're going to work with them get them a mentor from our group. It's like a pyramid of happiness. <laughs> you know? Like That's what it is. It's just like kids recruiting kids, right? Yeah. Um, but in a positive way, people, just in case our listeners are like, what? <laughs> no, it, it's not one of those like, like, I didn't say schemes. well, if you think about it, everything's a pyramid, right? Oh, you, got, you got a principal, <laughs> right? You got a principal, yeah. you got BPs, right? Then it goes down to the teachers. It's the it same goes higher thing. than that though. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, exactly. And all those guys up there. Exactly. Right. So, and then this one is just, it's like, I wouldn't even say me at the top. I like the big analogy of like, you know, the Knights of the Round. Yeah. You have your Knights, King Arthur and Sir Lancelot. But the reason it was a round table, because there was no head at the table. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I talk to the kids about. I want to be equal to them when it comes to decision making. So we vote. They're like the jury. Mm-hmm. So they vetoed some ideas that I had that I really wanted. I was like, ah, oh, I really wanted to do that. But I really trust them completely. And then, of course, there's things where I have to say, you know, no, this is what we have to do. Maybe yeah. they just need a little bit more experience with certain things. But mostly it's all the students coming up with the ideas and, <laughs> and me signing checks because they're not 18 yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that they can learn from their teachers. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so what advice would you give for, say, for example, a teacher in outside of Toronto that want to bring this? Like, I know you do the Ontario, but say for, we have a listener in somewhere like in the States, if they want to implement and bring in something like H4 to their community. Number one piece of advice is listen to your students, empower your students to make decisions. Mm-hmm. That is like my trick. Is <laughs> There's no trick to it. The best education is an engaged student. So mm-hmm. ask your students, hey, what do you love to do? Often it's like, I don't know. I don't really know what I want to do. But that's because we're not spending enough time asking, well, what are some of the things that you really feel great about? What did you accomplish in life? And when you start asking and probing these questions, the students will tell you. And then you just start asking them ideas. One thing that I noticed, I found this, this is really weird. The kids needed titles. They were kind of lost without a title. Even though they had a responsibility, it was like not until I gave them certain titles or they gave themselves titles that they really understood what they were doing. So let's say, for example, I was like, hey, do you mind coming up with program materials? Okay. And then they were just like, okay, I don't really know what to do. Right. I was like, yeah, but make this playbook, yada, yada, X, Y, Z. They're like, ah, well, it's still confusing. Then I was like, could you be the program manager? And they were like, oh, I get it. It's so strange. So I highly recommend, I guess it's like giving them roles. Yeah. So it's the same thing. It's like, give them roles, make it a title. So they actually, I don't believe in titles, but I meant in terms of like respect, but when it comes to clarity and organization, oh, give them a title that they can come up with so they understand it and make them come up with it. Right. So Mm -hmm. my advice is really engage the student, ask them for advice. And when you're in the seat where you're giving them the power to give you that advice, they feel valuable for giving that advice and that gets them to keep going. So that's from my experience. Try it with your classrooms. Just get them, hey, can you guys be the game maker for the weekend so the teacher doesn't have to come up with all the ideas? Yeah. And then it's, (laughs) hey, here's the group. Can you guys teach this? I got this from one of my principal colleagues. It was really cool, actually. He was like, at the beginning of the year, he used to come to his classroom and it was an elementary school classroom. And he says, okay, what does everybody want to learn? And then they brainstormed and then they wrote everything that all the students want to learn. And then the teacher said, okay, but this is what you have to learn. When we get through this curriculum, we're going to do this and this. And then it was mm-hmm. kind of cool. I was like, oh, so he started off with, this is what I'm going to teach you. He started off with, what do you guys want to learn? Right. And asking them questions. I thought that was beautiful because then it's like getting the class involved. Mm-hmm. Classroom. 
And I was like, oh, that's really cool. So that's what I do. I took that online. I was like, okay, well, what do you want to learn? What do you want to do? So that's why there's all these interesting niches and projects that are coming out of H4 right now, because I, I just started by asking them. So that's my long-winded answer to that. No, that's <laughs> amazing. Thank you. That Wow. That has inspired me because when it comes to the end of it, when it comes down to it, all students want to feel welcomed. They want yep. to feel belonged and they want their voices to be heard. Exactly. They want their voice. Even my grade ones, like they want to be heard. And so we always start in the morning. Personally, myself, I do. What are you thankful for? And we talk about it's gratitude. I said, one thing you are thankful for. And they're able to express what they're thankful for. And on Fridays, we do fun Fridays and they can tell jokes. They can express, right? And that's the reason why I can teach you because I love to see the creativity of these children. And like you said, it's important for these kids and we got to create an environment for kids ask questions. Why? Exactly. Exactly. And that's the reason why I taught, you know, I'm teaching because I love to learn because when kids ask me, Oh, Miss Hope, how do we do this? I'm like, good question. Let's look that up. And we look together as a class, right? Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. they want, and all anybody wants, even like psychologists said this, when people feel like, especially, is it the, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? I can't think of the psychologist Maslow, we talked about. Maslow's higher career of needs. Yes, thank you. Oh my gosh, my mind. I, I, have, a, I have a psychology degree. <laughs> exactly. So I just you, what's the number one thing on top of the pyramid? Self-actualization. And also like shelters, but they said self-actualization, it yeah. stems from like feeling belonged. Yeah, yeah. And part of something. We all want to be part of something and belong to something. Uh-huh, exactly. And, Right. And I think it's important that our classroom is a community where we installed it into our kids and we provide a safe learning environment. And I always tell my students, I'm like, and they laugh because when, especially because they're in grade one, they're babies, right? They're the, yeah, yeah. In the world. They just, yeah. they're little sponges of knowledge and they just, and they can get, a lot of them can get really hard on themselves. And I said, listen. Mm-hmm. At grade one already? Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause they oh, just, because no. like, I don't know. I guess I think they see other kids. There is pressure. I know it's sad. It's truly uh, sad. Yeah. Yeah. And I said to them, mistakes mean that you're learning. Yeah. And I said, I want to see mistakes. I want to see them because when I see them, that means you're trying and you are learning. And when you're trying, you are learning. Exactly. And if you don't get it right the first time, well, guess what? That's what my job as a teacher is to help you. I said, if you don't learn, I'm not doing my job as a teacher, but guess yeah. what? If you don't get it this year, you're going to get it the next year. If you don't get it the next year, you're going to get it the year after that. I said, yeah, you yeah. need to give yourself. And I went to really fast. I'm going to tell this really fast story. But a couple of years ago, I went to a workshop and it was about First Nations and Indigenous education. Right? And just talk about how it's important that we do, again, belong and inclusion and just bring that into the education. Right. And just how we can change it. And there was a great guest speaker. He's actually going to be on my podcast as a guest in a few weeks. Hey. Yeah, he's amazing. His name is David Bouchard. He was yeah. a principal who was also, he's not, is he? No, he is Metis himself. Thank you. Sorry, just okay. my mind. Yeah, Anyhow, right. so the first thing that kids need, especially with you know, education talk about, he goes, the whole reading system needs to change. And this said, he said the number one thing, and it really stuck to me, is that kids need time. Mm-hmm. Kids need time. Mm-hmm. And that stuck to me because education we need to throw it at the window sometimes the curriculum and we need to focus on the kids and we got to focus on 
that sometimes, yeah, it's going to take a long time, but you got to focus on those kids and we got to give them time. Yeah, exactly. And those are the things like the little things that we should be sharing because what's the purpose of education in the first place? We want the kids to learn, but if the kids are hungry, they don't have that time. There's something at home. Exactly. It's like all these things. It's not going to matter what you teach them. Right. And it's funny, like the biggest life tips is just get the kids to sleep and eat. <laughs> like sleeping and eating will significantly increase their, their opportunities. I actually highly recommend this course on Coursera called Learning How to Learn. And it was so eye-opening. And who's that again? Learning How to Learn on Coursera by mm-hmm. Barbara Oakley. Highly recommend it. Because it talks about different thinking modes and how we learn and, and all that stuff. And what was really interesting was to hear this quote from Professor Terry Sanowski. And he's a neuroscience, like he has a, like four different degrees, okay? This is a PhD. Underachiever. This, yeah, 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 yeah. PhD right. on PhD, okay? Right. So he's huge on brain science and talks about rest and talks about the importance of, you know, healthy diet and all that stuff. But he says the two most important subjects or parts of the day in school, what do you think? The two most important subjects in school or things to do at school? Recess. Yes. Because and- my favorite. <laughs> Very good. It was actually phys ed and recess. Yeah. Because obviously we learn better as active beings. So mm-hmm. there's a concept called the space learning where 20 minutes of exercise and 20 minutes of study actually increase test scores. But that makes sense because when you're moving, kids learn. And then the next part is you need them to stop thinking about the concepts so much and think about other stuff and have fun because that is actually learning as well. And that's one of the things that I didn't realize. It was like, so let's say when you're focusing on a concept, that's like putting the information into your brain. Mm-hmm. But when you're sleeping and you're doing recess, that's your brain subconscious puts the glue together. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool. I was like, whoa. So I didn't realize that you need that break. So on that note, don't cancel March break. for. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I'm like, what are you thinking, dude? We need the, the, them to learn, don't we? <laughs> I know. And it's funny because this is another thing why I'm I'm huge. As you know, I'm big into meditation. I've been doing it for years. I was part of the pilot project for the Toronto Catholic District School Board uh, for the meditation and just talk about the importance of just slowing down and just focus it. And my students love meditation. They love it because it allows them to stop, allow, you know, to quiet that chatter, focus on their breath. And they feel like, oh, the something's not feeling right. And they're able to stop and think, I'm like, okay, I can focus on what's bothering me. Why am I doing this? And they feel so relaxed. I still do meditation every day, even online with my students. Nice. And they appreciate it. They look forward to it because Good. it's a chance for them just to allow themselves to just stop. Great. Stop and think, stop and moving, just, just being, just being. And giving them that opportunity, they love it. Exactly. Right. I mean, so it's the it's all those little things that we can be doing outside the curriculum to really help the whole student. Right. So. Well, one of the biggest, the biggest, I'm going to kind of switch gears, but just going on about moving around and just learning about being active and learning is one of the largest, what was it? Uh, I think they were talking, it's in Finland. 
are oh. the highest right now for academics in math and language. Oh. And they looked at why are they so successful? And they said, one, it's not so much emphasis on the curriculum, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's only four hours of learning these kids are getting, but the four hours is quality mm-hmm. rather than quantity. Mm-hmm. So they're not shoving all this curriculum down these kids' throat, mm-hmm. which allows these kids to be better critical thinkers and they take responsibility for their education. So especially in high school, mm-hmm. these kids have the opportunity. You finish it now or you finish it when you get home. Mm-hmm. And guess what the kids do? They finish when they get home. But homework is only like 15 minutes because the teachers believe whatever I teach in school is enough. These kids don't need any more stuff to go home to. So they, they believe that it's true. We know that children's brains do not fully develop till they're 25 years old, the human mm-hmm. brain. Mm-hmm. So they yeah. realize that. And because of that, and they really focus on the outdoor play Mm -hmm. and they really focus on kids should be out learning outside the classroom. And because Mm -hmm. of that, they're number one in the world for math and language. And another point too, teachers are getting paid over a hundred thousand dollars there. So teachers are coming in less burnt out. Mm -hmm. They love their job and they love their job to the point where they're doing all these extra stuff because they love their job. Yeah, I mean, like, there's there's a lot to be said about that as well, right? I mean, it's systemic, but that's the thing about creativity and communities. Like, I wish we were there, you know? <laughs> I think everybody wished we were there, but we're not. So it's like, what can we actually do to make our situations better at home? And that's the whole thing that I focus on about building communities. How can we as a community work together to solve the issues that we have currently we're not going to be able to do it alone, so let's work together to fix that and ask them, right? Same thing with it. If you want to change education, ask the teachers mm-hmm. <laughs> in the classroom, in that actual school, not in a school in the West End if you're not from the West, right? You want people from the actual community, from the actual school to solve the challenges that are unique to your community. And that's all the stuff that I do. So student learning ask the students. Teacher engagement platforms, ask the teachers, right? And see what they come up with because you guys are experiencing every day, mm-hmm. right? And honestly, like your job is like, I, I cannot believe all the things that you guys are going through. Our, our teachers and your teachers chat is, is hilarious to see all these. Well, sorry. It's funny for me because <laughs> the things that you have to deal with, I don't think yeah. the public realizes all the things that you have to deal with. Because I don't know what it would be like if I had to do a job and like I didn't, well, saying a little bit too much, but but, but the, sometimes the supports aren't there to fix or do the things that you need to get done. Mm-hmm. Right? But yeah, I mean, it's crazy, right? It is crazy out there. So I commend. Thank you. Thank you so much. But I like to go back what you're just saying, you know, we got to change everything. And it's, I think you said we're not there, but I like to throw in, we're not there yet. It's the mindset, right? It's a mindset that it can be done. And maybe this is part of your community. The H4 community can help the future of education in terms of a development, right? Like when it comes to, if you think about any career, if any committee, you have somebody who has experience in it, right? And unfortunately, right now, our Ontario government does not have people who walked in our shoes, who understand what's happened in the real classroom. And I'm going to call Stephen Lecce. You have a young guy who's in his 30s who went to a private school and who's making now these choices for, you know, public education. 
I, that does not make sense. He has no experience. Why do we have somebody like him who has no experience in the classroom making the decisions for students and teachers? Wait, doesn't he have a, a committee of teachers? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, I hear that. I don't know what committee he has. <laughs> He's, because he consulted. I mean, well, that's what I hear. You know? <laughs> oh, he on, on, yeah. on the news time, all the consultants is like, where are these consultants? I want to yeah. see these consultants. These consultants. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah. Yeah. So Not, it uh, has to start from the ground, right? It has to start yeah. from the roots of education. It has to start and it needs to start, like you said, it's like a trickle down effect, right? It needs to start there. We need to have representation, just like in disabilities and LGBT communities, we need to have representation in education in order if we want to make change, right? And yeah. have students, like you said, and that's what I love about this, because have students involved in it, have actual teachers involved in it. Exactly. I mean, one of my biggest goals right now, so uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned it earlier, the MEX Youth Program, which is uh, a program where our leaders can just build relationships with students with special needs. Mm-hmm. And one of our goals right now is finding leaders to represent the community. Because I, I, we can create all these ideas with our leaders. But I told our kids and I told my students that if we don't actually have someone with who identifies with having special needs as part of our planning group, then yeah. it's just like us being like the system for them. Yeah. It's like, let's just create activities for them. And then it just separates the whole idea of what we're trying to do, which is bringing community together. So we're trying to find leaders who identify with special needs to be part of our planning committees, to connect with us every week, to help us come up with the better activities to serve that community better. The communities better. Yeah. And that to me is speaks and volumes because we need the representation because if we're talking about people with disabilities, those people need to be part of it because we got to raise their voices and not our voices uh-huh. because we're there for them. And yeah. it's a perspective of social, how we view with disabilities and we cannot make those choices and we cannot make changes if we do not involve those people, part of the, like, the change. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, and, that's the key. Yeah. I can go on and on and on. It has been an absolute pleasure I've learned so much and I am personally taken away a lot of what I learned today. And I'm going to try to implement those in my classrooms because you made me think as an educator, there's a lot more I can work and I can change in order to make my classroom more inclusive. Right. Oh, and just, wow. Awesome. Which, Thanks. I didn't realize it did that. You're amazing no, it, already. <laughs> honestly, because, and, but that's what I think teachers should do. Like we're always, you know, we're lifelong learners. And if we're not learning, we need to step back and just say, okay, something's got to change here. Right. So I think we always have room for improvement. We always do. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And with that being said, I like to now, because you're my second guest, with teaching, every time my students give a presentation, we always do one wish and two stars. Yeah. So it's two wishes wishes and a star. Two wishes and a star. Right? Um, No, it's two. Yeah, it's well. Two stars and a wish. Sorry, it's two stars yeah, and a wish. So two, I'm so confused right now. Two stars and a wish. There two stars go. and a wish. So the two stars and a wish are like two things that you really like about H4R community, things that you want is in a wish that you hope for yourself or H4R community. So what are your two stars in a wish? Two stars. I go, number one, students are amazing resources for everything. I just, I think that's huge with H4 community. Like the kids are just the fuel, the engine, the ideas. That's a big star. Second one is meeting and connecting with amazing 
educators like yourselves, because without you guys, we won't be able to connect with as many students as we can in the schools. So that's what I love about H4 community. And a big wish I'd say is like, my big dream is to hopefully one day create a big system or a big organization where all kids know exactly who they are and how they can contribute to the world. So the type of education that I dream of is really that personal education where people are just focusing on doing the stuff that they love to do and learning the stuff that they really want to learn and they're mm-hmm. passionate about. And that's like my dream. And that's the goal. That's the actually thing that we're really trying to focus on. We're trying to get the students to think differently about what education really is and to ask those great questions to get better answers and results. So that's my passion. I want students to be passionate about their learning and that's really what I want to do. That's amazing. Can I say, I have a wish for you, Glenn, personally. I wish that you will become a global ambassador for H4 community. And honestly, I truly believe you inspired me, like I said, so much just today's podcast that I really, I'm going to push for you to have your own TED talk because this, you can, (laughs) you can help those teachers are feeling burned out, inspired again. And so that's what we need. We need more people like you rooting for us. Awesome. Well, and helping us find again that passion that we yeah. the reason why we got into teaching. That's what I hope we can work on together. You know, it's funny. I actually don't really care if I'm the global ambassador. I would rather one of my kids do it <laughs> because I I don't want the fame. <laughs> you know, I don't want people knowing who I am. <laughs> I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather you know. I kind of like it's funny. I I like I was such an extrovert growing up, and that's the thing I learned about through hip hop, break dancing on stage, and being a star. You know. But I realized that got me nowhere. So, yeah, I mean, thank you. I I hope the community, H4 community, becomes that global ambassador. And when you see the kids, like, I want them to be, like, the superstars. You know, Alex Trebek. Yeah, it was so so sad. And it was really cool to hear his big advice to Ken Jennings to Mm. take over as the guest host. And he was like, don't forget that the contestants are the stars. And I, I really love that. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, because the contestants, they're the stars of the show. You just help it happen. But then with, with that concept, he became the most popular face of Jeopardy. <laughs> uh-huh. Fun fact about Alex Trebek uh-huh. and teaching. One of my friends, who's also a teacher and a board, was a contestant on Jeopardy. Uh, right on. There you yeah. go. The, yeah. the, another star. Another so. star who happens to be a music teacher. So Kelsey Bree, she's absolutely brilliant probably one of the smartest people who i know but she was on it and so yeah so it's a full circle of connections here today so well glenn i thank you again for coming on my podcast and being my second guest and i am so sorry guys like i said i'm just still trying to navigate through this one so i apologize if there's like anything i missed here but i'm learning along the way just like everything else like i said i'm learning along the way so thank you again glenn for coming on and I'm hoping this is not going to be the last. I hope to have you on again soon where we can, you can come on and share more of your other projects that you have in the works. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. Okay, guys. So thank you again for listening again to episode two of Teachers Philosophy. So make sure tune in and listen and make sure to subscribe to when the next episode comes up. Keep safe. Take care. <laughs>